Maybe this morning it's more about your mind loving the Lord. So put your hand on your mind. God, I'm asking for an unveiling of wisdom and revelation in our minds today of remembering who you are. And no matter what we face, that you are the answer, Jesus. I ask God that you would remind us of your truth this morning. That we would, it would be just exactly what we need to carry us through this next week. That you would allow our minds to be fixed and focused on you. That it would, you would guard our mind in Christ Jesus. I'm asking God that you would stir our thoughts. That we would think beyond where we're at. And we would, into the revelation truth of who you are. And I thank you for your word this morning. That it's powerful and it is effective in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. to flip it on, not off, huh? <laughs> Good morning. Sometimes I struggle with where to begin, and I just felt like the Lord just told me today, he goes, well, let's, obviously, let's start in the beginning. So we're going to start in the very, very beginning of Genesis 1, 1. It says, in the beginning, God created in the heavens and the earth. Aren't you glad that we are not just a bunch of amoeba that came out of the ground and somehow evolved over time and and it's like you know when i compared this creationism and i compared evolution and i look at it and i'm like in the beginning there was just this ball of mass that just happened to be where that ball of mass came from there's no real answer but it all of a sudden just boom all together and then it was there and that's like and they say that i have to have faith Mine is, in the beginning, God. Theirs is, in the beginning, there is this ball of mass that just happened to be there, that they don't know how it got there, but it was there. And something happened that just sparked, and everything came into existence. And again, I have to have faith? You have to have, we come to a position where we're coming to the faith, so we're going back to the very beginning. We're going back to, to back to Genesis, and I know this is just a basic message, and hopefully we'll all become just little kids again, because I have a nice little skit that I have coming up here in a minute. But let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the, the, the earth, things in the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, and this is an important phrase that we're going to go, because we're going to come back to this. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth. And every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given you every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. 
So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. I want to emphasize that particular verse in Genesis chapter 2, verses 9. We're going very quick because there's so much. There's so much here to unpack. God's word is so good. So Genesis 2, 9, it says, And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow, it says that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then Genesis two nineteen through 20, it says, Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air. Ha, I got ahead of myself. This is where we're going to do an illustration. I don't need the first person to ask. I need the second person that I ask. This, coming up here right now, this is not Jason. You thought this was Jason, but this is not Jason today. I mean, you just use your imaginations. Many times we tell kids to use imagination. Sometimes we don't tell adults. But today you're going to have to use your imagination. This, my friends, is Adam. Say hi, Adam. <laughs> it's not Jason today. And this, I, and this, I'm going to tell you right now that I know that I am not him. But today, on this stage right now, I'm going to be God, okay? So I know that you have to stretch your imaginations a lot, because I know that I'm not him. But, and you're going to have to also pretend that this is dirt, okay? So there's this thing of dirt. So we're going to illustrate, because I, I believe this is important, because I think what we need to get back to in a part of who we are is like, Christianity is not religion. Christianity is relationship. It's about relationship. And this, this portrayal right here that we're going to be doing, I believe, is a picture of God with us as friends. As, 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 as something more than just a rote religion that, you know, like go to church and don't go to church, you know, go do this and go do that. It's not about that. It's about relationship. But he calls us to something. And so I think this is a cool picture. So it's a very short, brief drama. It's not really too much. But imagine that, that God... It says that God in the scripture, he, he melt down in the earth, and then he made the creatures, and he had Adam name them. So go ahead and... Elephant. Very good. We all know this is an elephant. But I was thinking about this, too. Hopefully there's some in here that he may not be able to quite identify, because think about it this way. Adam did not know that this was an elephant. I want you to realize that. He is seeing the creature for the very first time. So I wanted, we got to get that picture in our head. This is, this is what God has done. He, he, part, he wanted us to participate. He wanted mankind to participate with him. He gave him creative abilities and creative talents. And he, he has stuff for you that he wants you to use too. And in this instance, he was giving Adam a chance to participate with him in creation. Think about that. The first man. He's saying, I'm, I, he knelt down and he presented the ant. And whatever Adam called them, that's what they were. So he knelt down again, and he formed this next one, and I think he had fun with this. This is a fun one. You know, this one may be kind of fun. Armadillo. Okay, so armadillo it is. Whether it's an armadillo or not, I don't know. It looks like maybe an armadillo. Let's see. Oh, this one should be easy. This one should be very bear. A bear. Do you have any a specific type of bear that you want to call this one? Polar, polar bear. So this, my friends, is a polar bear now. 
And for the purpose of this illustration, for the rest of this day, that is a polar bear. Let's see. Ooh, this one's good. This one's cool. You're going to like this one. I, I really, this is God talking. I really like this one. This one's so cute. Don't you think? Sloth? Sloth it is. A sloth it is. Let's see. Oh, this is probably my grandma's favorite one. That wasn't God there. But this is a favorite one. I like this one. (laughs) Okay, from now on, this is now George. It is not a monkey any longer, ladies and gentlemen. This is now George. (laughs) It's George. Because that's what he named it. That's what it is. It's George. And the last one. Let's see here. Oh, yeah, we'll give him that little bit of a tail. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, we'll give him those beady little eyes. And yeah, there we go. Different colors. And... A raccoon? A raccoon it is. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> I, I, I like that picture, and it's, and it's hard because I'm like, the picture in my head is kind of like I wanted to. It's like that relationship that was there. That's what I wanted. I, I wanted us to realize that, you know, I believe, I believe truly that God was having fun that whole time with that. Because he said, you know, let's, let's do this. Let's get him. I want to make him a helper. And, but, but I want him to participate in this process. I think he also wanted him to see that he was going to be, that these, this wasn't enough. You know, he's drawing Adam to the conclusion that, you know, all these animals are cool and everything, but you're still missing something. You know, something's still not quite right. And so he caused him to fall asleep, and we know that we have, who do we have? Eve. And I like this, Genesis 2, verses 25, which is also why we didn't want to use our imaginations too much when Jason was up here. It says in Genesis 2, 25, it says, And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. I want us to see... I wanted us to see, like, that pre-fall idea. They didn't even realize at that time in their lives that they were naked. This thing is moving goofy on me. There was no shame. There was no, there was no hiding. There was no covering up. It's who they were. They had a pure relationship between the two of them. They had a pure relationship with God. They had a pure relationship with one another. Is that they were naked and they didn't even realize it. They didn't even know it. They weren't ashamed. In fact, when we see later on, let's look at Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. This is Satan speaking. He comes along in, in the form of a serpent. And he says, Has God indeed said, You shall not have eat of every tree of the garden? Did you notice that? Did you notice that added phrase? Has God indeed said that you should not eat of every tree of the garden? Is that truth? No, that wasn't truth. That wasn't truth. He said you can eat of every single tree, every single fruit, except one. There was one. 
One tree. And how like it is us. I mean, this goes to show you the whole, I mean, we have the whole of human nature here within the first three chapters of the Bible. How much of us is like, you know, like how many, how many of you have kids and you know you say that they can have one and what do they want? <laughs> but if you say they can have one piece of candy, what are they going to ask for? Five, yes, two. I like that. Somebody optimistic said two. <laughs> she said five. She's still pretty optimistic. I would think they would take the whole bag of candy if you wanted to give it to them, right? I mean, they want the whole enchilada. Like, it's not good enough to have just one. I want the whole thing. And here it was, as I want us to see this, as Adam and Eve are in this garden. There's only one, one thing they're told they can't have. One and it, says in, in, and it says in the Bible that it says that everything that he created, all of the trees, all of them, all of the fruit, all of them had the same characteristic. They looked good and they were good for food. They were good to the eye and they were good for food. Every single fruit that was in that garden was perfect for them. And he says, but there's one that I don't want you to eat from. That's it. Just one. And so then what happens? It says, so, then, so when the woman, verse 6 says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And then again, as we discover, what is the very first thing after they ate of that fruit? Hiding. They realized their eyes were open. They realized, oh boy, we're naked. Whoa, man. Just kidding. Um, they realized they were naked. And so what do they do? Rush out and cover themselves up with leaves. They get the leaves and they, and they put this thing together and they form it very quickly. And, and then what do they do? The next thing, they hide. So they go hide. Thank you, Wyatt. That was nice. They go and hide. Genesis 3.8 says, and this is the picture that I love. I love this. This is another snapshot of God that I just, I, I, I just really like this because I can imagine this and use your imaginations for a second with me. It says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. You know, we were built for a relationship because this is God saying, you know what? It's the cool of the evening. And guess what? I read another commentary that was talking about this too. God knew what they had done because he's all-knowing. And it didn't say that he went out right away to chastise them. It doesn't say that he, you know, that it didn't say that he came down in the heat of the day and just laid into them because what is this you have done and all of this? No. As relationship building as he was, he was he went down in the cool of the evening. And and in one commentary that I read, it was more or less like he went in the cool of the evening. That was his custom. Like God, I can picture this, just God. There's this green, lush garden, which I have all over my shirt too. That he came down into this garden, and it was perfect. There was perfection in this garden. There was rivers that went through it and that fed all of the things that needed to be fed. There was all of this stuff. It was perfect in this garden. And in the cool of the evening, God goes down into this garden to walk to, with them, to talk with them, to have relationship with them. That's what he desires for us. That's what he desires for you and for me, is to have to bring us back into that relationship. It's not about religion. It is about having a relationship with him. He wants to bring us back into that relationship. 
It says, when you go into the cool of the evening, it said, Adam hid themselves in the presence of the Lord God among the trees. And he says, where are you? Where are you guys? Where are you? He knew where they were. And he says, where are you? And they came out. And again, we see human nature at play. When God asked them, who told you you were naked? Because they said, oh, we were hiding. We're, we hid ourselves because we were naked. And he goes, who told you that? Who told you that you were naked? How did you know that? Did you eat of that tree? And human nature. Because <laughs> guess what happened? Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. And Adam actually blamed God in the process too. Because he says, I, he blamed Eve because you were the one that created him or God. Not me. So he blamed God too. So he's accusing, he, passing the blame. And how many of us can relate to that? Where it's sometimes like you get, you get caught and then all of a sudden it's just like, well, it was such and such a person's fault. It's not my fault. I didn't have anything to do with it. And that's what essentially Adam and Eve are doing. Relationship blaming. One blamed the others. The other blamed the Eve, blamed the serpent because she said, the serpent deceived me. How did he deceive her? He gave her half-truths. See, Satan doesn't change. He does not change his tactics at all. He's found he doesn't have to. I mean, he used the same tactics with Eve as he used with Jesus. He tried to get Jesus to question the word. He tried to get Eve. And if if you were to go back and read the account of what he was talking with Eve, he was trying to get her to question how good God really was. Because he said the first question was, is did he say not say to eat, you couldn't eat any of the fruit in the garden? That was his first question. That was his first question. He said, you, you really said you couldn't eat any of them, right? Trying to get her to question God's goodness. Trying to get her to question. I like this picture of grace that God had here. Next. There's two things about that, that grace, that, that graceful things that God did in here. And it says, God made tunics for them. Because the works of them trying to cover themselves up with the leaves, that just wasn't going to work. I mean, if you take any leaf in any tree, it's going to fade away really fast. And you're going to have to produce more. And you're going to have to make it over and over again. And it's going to be relying on you to make it. But God, in this instance, he said he made a tunic for them, tunics of skin, and he put it over them. He did one other thing that, is, that I think is awesome that God did. Because he says, you know what? I don't want you guys to live in this state forever. So I'm going to do you a favor. It's going to hurt. It may not look like it's a favor. I'm kicking you out of the garden. And why? Not because of punishment. Because I don't want you to eat of that tree of life and live forever in this particular state that you and I found yourself in. I don't want that. That's not what I want. I don't want you to partake of that fruit. And I know that I've seen that, you know, like, <laughs> like here's the test. Here's all the fruit. Have any of it you want except this. And I know that you've done this. So out of my mercy and grace, guess what? I'm taking you out of the garden. I'm removing you from there. I'm putting angels across it. I mean, how many of us, you know, you've ever heard of the fountain of youth and people 
like go all crazy trying to, I do not want to live in this body forever. No thanks. No thanks. I'll live, I'll live as long as God wants me to live, and, and, and I'll learn to be happy with that. But I am so glad that he removed us from that garden, that he removed that temptation for us so that we would not partake of that tree and live forever in that, in that unredemptive state that they were in. Then, come to Genesis chapter 4, talking about Cain and Abel. And of course, I didn't put the whole chapter in my notes. Let's look at Genesis chapter 4. So she bore Cain, and then she bore Abel. And it said, and it came a time where they wanted to have a sacrifice. And as we all know, that Cain, when he brought the sacrifice, he sacrificed from his harvest that he had done himself in his own field. And he took whatever was left over. I mean, it, makes it, it made it seem like his offering was half-hearted to begin with. It really wasn't, but it was also the produce of his own hands and his own talents and his own strengths and his own abilities. And he produced it and he basically gave whatever was left over from what he didn't need to feed himself or to sell off to others or to whatever else. He just brought what, the bare minimum. And we have the brother Abel, who it says he brought of the first fruits of his flock. He came with humility before God. He, he recognized that, you know, there's every indication that, that God had, and even before this, had already kind of instructed them, this is the sacrifice that I will take. There's probably been some instruction already before this. I have to remember that most of the Bible that we have, they probably would have had a good portion of it, um, maybe not written down yet, because Moses was the first one who wrote down to write down these accounts, and he was long afterwards. So there is every indication that they, they kind of already had an idea as to what God really would want, or what God would really accept as a sacrifice. And and Cain, or and Abel, sorry, realized that, you know, I need to bring my first fruits. I think he recognized in himself that, you know, that, that uh, <laughs> I need God. I'm going to bring him best that I have. I'm going to sacrifice the choicest meat that's without blemish. I'm going to present that to him. And I'm humbly going to give him that sacrifice. And it says that God respected, I think it was respected, yes, respected Abel's offering, but he did not respect Cain's offering. And Cain became very angry. And it says, and his countenance fell. And it, it countenance fell. It's, in fact, like that anger was stirring up within him. He was boiling over. I mean, if you follow the story, Cain was born first. Abel was born second. God should have been blessing him because he was the oldest. And he's not. He did not respect my offering. And I am mad. And when his countenance fell, it, he became bitter on the inside. 
He became whiny and bitter and angry and said, well, he didn't respect my gift. And I can't imagine what all of he would have said. He might even be cursing. He might have been saying things that are just, and it doesn't record exactly what he was saying, but he was not happy at all. And then I see God do something else in this passage that I was like, wow. So it says, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance falling? In verse 6. It says, in verse 7 it says, If you do well, you will, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. And then he says, But you should rule over it. I like this because he, he's, uh, to me, just right before this, right after this is when he kills Abel. But God's sending him a warning. I think in that moment, he sends us warnings. He says, he, he doesn't want to. He was not desiring that any should perish, but all should come to everlasting life. And he meets Cain here and he says, Cain, Cain, I believe that God's heart is calling out to Cain and saying, come back. Come back. You're headed down a path. Sin's desire is right at your door. It's lying right there at your doorstep. Come back. Come back. I'm giving you a choice. He, he had a chance. In that moment, he, God was giving him a chance. Sin is, laying at the do- Sin is lying at your door. But you should overcome it. He gives that same ability, that same, he, he moves in that same grace with us all the time. When I first came about this, this topic, there was a verse, because Pastor Mike, he spoke on grace a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, when I, when I saw the scriptures up on the wall, I was like, oh no, he's trying, trying to take my subject. <laughs> but, but he didn't. But there was another passage of scripture that I was reminded of after I had listened and heard what he had to say, and it comes from Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism unto death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, and that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. And now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I remember a long time ago that particular verse, Pastor Mike did preach on that. Reckon, that term, reckon yourselves to be dead, that's an accounting term which means just count it as, count it already. You are dead. That is the promise that you have if you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can have that, that close, intimate relationship with God 
that even Adam had and participating in what he called you to do. You get to do that. Why? Because that's what he did. Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to Christ. That's what he did. If there's people that are online right now that you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he is calling to you. He's calling to you. He says, come, you are heavy burden. Come. He's saying, come. I love you. I care for you. I built you and desired you for relationship. It's not religion. It's relationship. For us that have already accepted that sacrifice, he's saying, I've given you everything that you need to go on and do. And he would tell us, go and do and tell and speak. And don't be afraid to use your voices. Don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be afraid to pray for people. Don't be afraid to do what, you, what he's called you to do. And whatever gifting you have, you have gifts and you have abilities and he has given them to you. Just as Adam was standing there before, he gave creative ability. He says, I'm going to let you participate with me in this creative act. And I'm going to let you name all of the creatures. And he presented them to him. And whatever he named them, that's what he named them. That is the participation that he wants with us. He wants us to participate with him. He wants us to come in relationship with him. And it's, and it's not a hard thing. There's things that he'll call you to do that maybe sometimes you'll be scared to death to do. But he's calling you to do it. And he's saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I live inside of you. I have come to have relationship with you. You are dead. You need to reckon yourselves to be dead. We need to say no to the temptation that would tell us don't do something. And we need to say yes to it. Why? Because I, Mike McIntosh, am dead. So that he can live in me. And it's not my ability, and it's not my talent, and it's not my giftings, and it's not your talent, your abilities, your giftings, whatever they are. I'm grateful for all of those. I'm grateful he's given me abilities and talents. But it's not that. It doesn't rest in that. It rests in him. And we need to, we need to decrease so that he can increase. We need to tell ourselves that we are dead to sin so that we can be alive to Christ, that we are raised from the dead, that we have been brought from death to life, that we can go out and we can tell people about Jesus, we can pray for the sick, we can see all of these things, we can do these things. Why? Because of who he is. And he desires us to use those things. He desires us to do those things. We just have to get past the part where we just have to get to the point where we say, you know what? I die so that I can truly live. I need to, sacrifice, I need to consider myself to be already dead. And that Mike McIntosh doesn't have a say anymore. That you don't have a say anymore. You're dead to, to be alive in Christ, which is way more better, which is way better anyway. Like some of us, sometimes we have plans and we have things that we want to do and things that we want to accomplish, and, and we're so busy. And we'll fill ourselves up with one thing after the next. And we do it on purpose because I think sometimes we do it because we're just afraid. Well, what will God ask me to do if I don't? 
So we don't give ourselves that chance to, to, to come down and go, okay, God, what do you want? Tell me he wants, he wants us, and he wants us, to, and he wants us to have fun with it as well. Being in ministry, which we're all called to, in our own, wherever we're at, which we're all called to, it can be fun. It can be a blast. We can have joy in it. I mean, I, I, I get to work at Agape House. I get to, like, you know, have wrestling matches with some of those guys as they, you know, try to beat me. It's fun. There can be fun in it. It doesn't have to be all this, well, oh, man, if I just, and if I just say the wrong thing or do... No! Just rest in who he is. Just say, okay, God, you and I, we've got this. I'm going to do some things wrong. I know it. There will be times where I make mistakes. I know I will. But I know whom I believe in, and I know that he is able... I know who lives inside of me. I know that, that no matter what mistake I might make, that I know the God who can fix that mistake. And I don't need to live in fear. You don't need to live in fear. You just need to step out in faith. You just need to recognize I am dead so that Christ can live with inside of me, and I want to see what adventure God has got for me next. Because I believe that with Adam and Eve, with Adam in that garden, God was saying, yes, I believe there was a big old smile on his face. And he says, what can I come up with next? That I can present to Adam. And Adam can name him. There's lions and there's tigers and there's bears. And there's, as we've discovered, there were some armadillos and some Georges and some, uh, you know, other things that, <laughs> that are Adam named. But whatever he named them, they were, that's what he went with. God wants to partner with you. It's a partnership. It's relationship. It's just simply going and saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? I will be your hands. I will be your feet. I will do what you want me to do. And I will do it as a relationship with you and as because I love those other people as well. Because we are built for two things. I, I believe because it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Relationship. Relationship with God. Relationship with others. Relationship with God. In relationship with others. Develop those relationships. Develop those friendships. Develop, get to know people. You know, live with grace towards people. Because sometimes, again, you know, sometimes we're not always so graceful with people. But, I, but the easiest thing to show grace is when I remember one thing. I, the times where I, I remember one thing. God did not give me what I deserved. Because I deserved death. I deserved, I earned every penny of the sentence that I got of death. Every single penny. And God forgave me. We need to have that same grace and extend that same grace to those that are around us that are, that are hurting and, and, they, and they get mad and they get frustrated and they get angry and they get bitter and they do things kind of like Cain did. Human nature has not changed that much since the very beginning. And they get angry, and they get bitter, they fight, they say things that they may or may not mean. And we're called to just give them the same grace that God gave us. It's not hard. It is, but it isn't. It's really not hard if you consider yourself dead. 
when we're not recognizing ourselves dead, then it's a little bit hard. Because our feelings get hurt. And we get angry. And thank goodness. Thank God. No, not thank goodness. Thank God. Thank our Lord Jesus Christ. That in those moments when we are weak, when we do the wrong things or say the wrong things, that we have a heavenly Father who says, I want you back. I love you. I love you. I love you. He paid for your sin, past, present, future. He paid it all. The penalty he paid was for everything. He just says, come. Father, I just thank you and praise you for your word. Thank you and praise you for your truth. I thank you and praise you that you are a good God who loves his people. Lord, I just thank you that, that Lord, that... Oh, Lord, I thank you for the patience that you have with us. <laughs> I thank you, Lord, that you are so good to us when we don't deserve it. Lord, I pray for those that are offline, Lord, that are online, God. I just ask that if there is any one of them that doesn't know you, Father, that they would come to know you as their personal Lord and Savior, that they would come into relationship with you. For those that might be online right now and you, and you might be saying, yes, I, I have this, I want this, then, then use Facebook and reach out to one of us. Reach out to somebody here. Say, I want that. I need that. Thank you, Father, for you are so good. there is anyone here that 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 says i don't have relationship because i don't know everybody here i know most of you but i don't know everybody here and i don't know where you're at in your walk if you're saying you know i just really want to get back to that more relationship maybe you've taken on some of the religious stuff and you're just like you know this just religious stuff just isn't really working for anymore and i really want to get back to that relationship really want to get back to seeing it as relationship with God and doing what he wants me to do not because he's told me to do it but because I love him and he loves me and I love them whether they love me or not the altars are open and again for those that are online if you don't know you can reach out to any one of us any one of us would be glad to talk with you speak with you we love you and we care for you